throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hello and a gracious good day to you all. Uh, welcome to uh, this episode of Things Worth Considering. This is Gord Riddell and I'm here with my very curious, voracious, lifelong learner, Dr. Jan Hill. Woo! Woo! Hey, Jan. How you Are you doing? having fun yet now that it's getting warm? <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun now that it's getting warm. Oh, good. Um, yeah, it's still not there yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so over the last couple of episodes, we've been uh, uh, having a look at the whole idea of spiritual awakening uh, and spiritual practices. So now we're going to look at one other thing that's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of in common for, for everyone. Uh, uh, we share more than one thing, obviously, but this particular thing um, is uh, the whole idea of the work of awakening is the fact is it's even harder to stay awake. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, people people think that you know they've they've got it made in the shade because uh, they've had some sort of <clears throat> excuse me spiritual experience. They've woken up, um, but staying awake is really really difficult. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. Well, it's it's challenging because something shifts in ourselves and we become sort of a new version of ourselves or we see things a little bit differently. And yet we have to go back to our same job and live in our same family and have our same relationships and all those things. And often people won't necessarily recognize that you have become uh, a little bit more awake. Yeah. And people won't, people won't recognize it half the time. So it can be pretty frustrating. Extremely, extremely, especially if you're the only person that that's happening <laughs> for, you know, yeah. um, like the, 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 you know, the awakening process, it has a tendency to sound like this is like a singular one time event, flash in the pan and voila, you are spiritually aware. Done. And then you really like toast. <clears throat> and that is just so not true. Yep. That is not true. Um, yeah. The fact is, is that it's a, a a process that just goes on and on and on, um, and we may not even be aware that it's happening to mm-hmm. us, you know. Mm-hmm. But then there'll be some precipitating factor, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, often, often it's it could be around loss. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually a big one, and that could be, you know, uh, not necessarily someone dying. It could be loss of a job. It could be mm-hmm. loss of our financial stability, our house. Our, uh, our kids move away, and mm-hmm. we're we're now empty nesters. That that can be pretty traumatic. Yep. Um, so you know, I think that uh, understanding that you know it it goes fast at sometimes, it goes slow at other times, um, and that you know the just the, the feelings um, that that we have are very existential in nature mm-hmm. because we question what's it all about, Alfie. Right, and you might actually notice right that like because because you might not actually have this big spiritual awakening it might come in these little micro moments these micro changes and then what will happen is you'll just realize oh wow this thing that I used to like to do so much or I used to look forward to doing now I'm just really not interested in it I don't want to do it it's right? true 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's, you know, the the whole f- feelings of disconnection, right, can happen, right. You know, and that's that can be kind of scary because you're like, well, what's yep. going on here? Yep. You know, um, there's uh, sometimes then that can create a feeling of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, becoming finally aware that we're really bored and restless with everything. <laughs> I mean, that's a really classic sign of someone moving towards a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I love my job. I love my job. Oh, my God, I am so bored. Yeah. Uh, that if, if um, you know, I I really believe, you know, the, the, the whole thing of the awakening is we get little taps on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of whatever, the creator, God, you know, whatever, taps us on the shoulder and says, hey. And then we like, get away from me. And we keep moving forward, right? And so then now we get a we get a solid thump on the shoulder until finally we just get hit in the back of the head with a two by four. Yeah. In other words, it keeps increasing when when that whole idea of a spiritual awakening is happening. It's so not conscious. It's mm-hmm. happening at a at all multi levels that you don't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea is that we're ready for something that we don't necessarily know that we're ready for. Or know what it is that we're going towards. Right. That's scary. Right. And so what happens is you have your little wake up, you go out into the world, you go, hmm, the world looks really different now through these eyes. These experiences are different for me. And so the staying awake part can be really challenging because we don't even really know what the change has been about. No, exactly. Right? So it feels confusing. Exactly. Yeah. But yet, you know, for, for so many people, there's there's um, sort of a moment of like this bliss that, you know, is sort of very elevated, mm. expansive. They just, you know, not just they, we who've, who've had something like this feel, you know, connected mm-hmm. to anybody, everything. You know, it's it's such an expansive experience. And I think that's what causes some problems down the line is mm-hmm. to have such a existential experience, you know, sort of having a sense of why I'm here and what it's about. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that forever pursuit of mm-hmm. what is my life purpose. Yeah. And once you've seen the connection, once you've kind of seen the matrix, so to speak, right, and you've, you've felt it, it's kind of hard to go back to sort of the day-to-day life where the assumption is that we're all disconnected because there's a, I think there's a part of us that wants to say, don't you see that? Don't you feel that? Don't you know that this is all connected? And what's wrong with you? Wake up! And they're all looking at us going... What happened? Yeah, did you have some weird drug experience or something? (laughs) Is the essence from the 60s still playing out? (laughs) They said there'd be flashbacks, not 40 years later. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, that, that, um, you know, sort of it's an embodiment. It's so many levels, you know, that um, and experiencing that connectedness. So it's a short period of time. But like everything, we gradually sort of sink back Mm -hmm. down to earth again. Mm -hmm. And... As a result, it can feel really, really confusing. Mm-hmm. It's like someone just gave us a huge meal and now said, uh, that's it for life. You know, there's no more good food left. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just like, what? Yeah, mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it's, you know, it's almost an, a, a little bit like an addiction behavior. You know, as you get this incredible high and then as you come down, you're beginning to look for ways as to how are you going to make this peak experience happen all over again? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it can become quite a pursuit, you know, that I think people can lose themselves in. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're, they're, they're working so hard to find themselves and find God that they just lose both. 
Right. Because I think the focus becomes instead of living, it can be become the pursuit of the peak experience. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, oh, and that's absolutely. the addictive nature of it. And that is the addictive right. nature of it. Yeah. You know, so you got that that high and then the low and, and so on. But not only that, you have the same, you know, hormones and neurotransmitters and and uh, uh, emotions, even physical sensations are all involved. And that because of that, that's sort of going to bring us down into a darker part of ourselves. But mm-hmm. that darker part is the very part that has to come to the surface. Mm-hmm. That's part of that awakening. You know, the awakening isn't the blissful experience. It's the awareness we get of what hasn't been healed in us yet. Right. And the shadow piece. It, it is a shadow piece. Yeah. It's a shadow piece. But it's also, it's also you know, um, denial. It's parts of us that, you know, we, we know when they're there. It could have been abuse. It could have been, you know, physical, sexual, emotional. That We just don't want to acknowledge. Yeah, the denied parts or the disowned parts. Right. And they're going to be frozen. They're, they're yeah. in there. They're frozen. And it's very difficult then to have a spiritual, ongoing spiritual uh, uh, awakening and, and evolution um, if, you know, all we're doing is thinking about the parts of us that we're trying to hide. Right. You know, if we have shame around that. We're just going to hide that because we really believe that if, you know, if uh, uh, I thought that there was uh, a part of me that was so awful that I don't want you to ever see that. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, well, if you want to move forward, you're going to have to. Right. And I think that underscores this idea that spiritual awakening comes in waves. Right. So it's not Mm. just you're here. You are trucking along the road to spiritual enlightenment. And (laughs) you're enlightened. Yeah. You cross over somewhere and it's like, here I am. Right. (laughs) It's not. I'm in the enlightened land. It's you're just wandering, wandering, wandering. And there's times that, yeah, enlightenment land looks like it's close by. And there's times when it's like. Hey, where'd it go? Exactly, and yeah. and most of the time we're not even going to know where we are. Right. You know, there's there's that I've said it once before on the show is that that uh, uh, cone from Zen uh, Buddhism of the you know before enlightenment I chopped wood and carried water <laughs> after enlightenment I chopped wood and carried uh, yep. water. So how am I going to know? Yeah. You know, wait, what at what point am I? I'm mm-hmm. always fascinated by, by students here at the mm-hmm. college when they, they want to know when they'll be enlightened. Mm-hmm. Like I know. Mm-hmm. You know, am I enlightened? They'll say. Well, it's like, I don't think so. Yeah. I always maintain anyway, like anybody on this planet right now can be enlightened. Mm, no. Yeah, there it's might be one or two. But take a little more time. A little <laughs> Yeah, you know. I, I, I hope there is. Someone's got to be directing this mess, <laughs> at least uh, directing us out of this mess um, that we're we're in on just about every every part of the planet right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so what? It, so the, the unhealed parts then becomes <clears throat> just a really important understanding that we have to integrate them into who we are. You know, so what do we mean then by staying awake? Mm. I think staying awake means how do we stay conscious of our process? How do we stay conscious of our need to, and our I guess you'd call it a quest, to reintegrate ourselves, this fragmented self that we are? How do we keep track of that when we're going about our daily life amongst people who um, have, have a different reason for being here? And we used to get along with. And we used to get along right? with, exactly. 
though the robotics. Yeah, you know. and and sometimes the, you know, when we change, we don't give them the sort of opportunity to comment on our change or to, you know, we don't say, we don't give them a warning. Hey, I'm going to change. I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to, I'm going to have a different kind of consciousness around things. And uh, how are you to feel about that? Right. We don't give them that option. We just change. And then we come back to the dance floor and we're dancing a little differently. And they're kind of like, what are you doing? This is the part where we spin around and go woohoo and you're doing something completely different you're doing the cha-cha while i'm over here doing the rumba exactly right so i think other people's discomfort with our change with the the change that happens in other people makes them want to uh do the change back right so to give all those change back messages right right which can be quite overt or they can be really subtle yeah, it's it's um, well. The subtle ones are really confusing, but the overt ones then become very hurtful. Yeah, you know, I mean, you've had this sort of enlightened experience or whatever, only to be, you know, well, you know, forget the silliness. Come on back in, and you know, how yeah. many people? Well, we've all encountered that in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, be like who, be like who you were, you know. Last month. Exactly. Change back, like, right? Just be like the rest of the family. Be like your brothers, <laughs> you know? Right, and right. Like, so you have this really confusing uh, messages surrounding us all the time that basically says, you know, that it's not okay to change. Yeah. You know, and especially this silly spiritual stuff. What are you talking about? Right. And also, too, you can, when people, when, when we change, and we can't relate to the people around us the way that we used to. And we can't get the same kind of support that we used to. And we can't feel connected to them in the way that we used to. There's a whole grief that comes with that. Yes. Right? So yeah. you've lost certain aspects of your relationships before that that felt really good. Right. Right. So right. staying away can be hard because it means recognizing loss. And it means accepting that loss as part of the change it's, process. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so much of what what even uh, catalysts the whole thing begins at loss. Yeah. You know, and then it's just sort of loss uh, upon loss. There's just so much loss, loss and loss and more loss, Gord. Could you just pick that loss up? You just dropped. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> I just dropped a little loss. A little loss along the way. You know, uh, the other thing that we're contending with here is our brain. Mm. I don't know, uh, a brain, the ego part of us, but that brain, it just loves. Uh, you know, sameness, it loves status quo. And so it's, it's very easy for us then mm-hmm. that whole, you know, not staying awake is to drift back into, you know, the same thoughts, the same things we worry about, the ruminating, the going over and over, you know, the same aches and pains. Um, and there's a reason for that. Why we go back to all of that sameness is it gives us comfort. Mm-hmm. The brain isn't upset then. Mm-hmm. And if the brain's not upset, then, uh, you know, we can get through the day quite nicely. Mm -hmm. But if the brain has that dissonance going on in there, it's, uh, you know, it's in conflict because of the new and the old. It's very disturbing. Mm -hmm. You know, it wants us back in that box. Yeah. So here's a question. Have you ever... Okay. So they always say you can never go back, right? Once you kind of wake up a little bit, then uh, you know what you know and... It's game over. You cannot unknow what you know. So do you think that you can consciously go back to sleep? 
Um, I don't think, I think you actually slip back into unconsciousness, hmm. you know, but. Can you consciously slip back into unconsciousness? Like, can you basically say, I don't want to know this? I think that's where addictions kick in. Oh, yeah. I think I think the addiction is what what yeah. allows us to do that. Right, right. You know, yeah. it's it's a way to put the brakes on. It's a way to say, mm-hmm. no, not for today. We're just going to carry on here. Um, that's that's what's you know. I mean, that's after the same behavior, same thought, same feeling, is is welcome back to the addictive cycle all mm-hmm. over again. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what what can interfere to us. Yes, we can make a conscious conscious uh, decision, but it won't let us stay there. Right. That's just it. You know, what's what mm-hmm. I I know is is that once you begin awakening, there's no there is no turning back. You can you can tread water, but you'll be like my arms are getting tired. Yeah. You know, when I could lift up out of the thing. So you can't no. stop a runaway train. You can't. You can't, but you know the light at the end of the tunnel is unfortunately probably going to be another train mm. if you're not in control of it. So well, let's be in control of what's going on right now. Sounds good. I uh, need to pull this away. Um, we're going to take a break here, and uh, uh, we'll be back on the other side of the commercials. This is Gordon Allen Jan Hill on Voice America, the Empowerment Channel. Things worth considering. We'll be right back. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental dynamic educational environment we believe learning is much more than just theories it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info 
at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and welcome back. This is uh, Things Worth Considering. We're talking about the, uh, the maybe, we don't want to call it the downside, but certainly that there's more things to spiritually awakening than just, uh, you know, the light getting brighter. Um, so we we have this whole, you know, thing of, of falling back to sleep, for lack of a better mm. word, right? Of not being able to have that awakening that maintains itself. But one of the things that we're battling here is our ego, mm. All right. Uh, you know, the ego is, is this isn't about the ego being bad. This isn't about obliterating the ego. We have to have the ego. It navigates us in this earthly body. But it also takes possession. It has taken possession of absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, we certainly know the the Buddhist idea, which I really agree with, is, is that it's the things that we value and possess that causes our our uh, suffering. I agree. So people who, who sort of go into this period of, you know, suffering after uh, sort of this awakening is we have to let go of something. We have to let go of probably quite a few things. There might be people, places and things but that ego is like, uh, uh, excuse me, that's mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my belief. That's my mm-hmm. value. That's my my car, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But that idea of letting go of something, our ego doesn't let go of anything. So that creates an interesting tension, right, between the ego in the, who that operates and actually allows us to function in the real world mm-hmm. in a daily life kind of way and feed ourselves and pay our mortgage and you know, have relationships and things like that. Right. Um, that seems like there's an inherent conflict between that and the the process of waking up. Because what are we waking up to, right? We're waking up to hopefully an egoless, um, well, a less ego-filled state. Right. So that means you've got to kick parts of the ego to the curb. Well, I don't know if you have to kick parts. Uh, I think that parts that are, are uh Perhaps a little out of control, a little overinflated. Or we don't need anymore. It's the kind of car you drive is no longer significant to you because you realize the car, kind of car you drive actually has no reflection at all on how you see yourself in the world. It doesn't? Then, is that, get rid of that car. <laughs> then what happens, right, is you let go of your car and, uh, and your ego might be saying, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But that's a part of your history. That's a, a lost part of the self. Yes. Right, the lost part of the self that used to, you know, go out there and wash that car every Saturday morning, and spent a lot of time enjoying that car. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and that's that whole piece of you know, in order for spiritual awakening to continue to progress forward, you know, there has to be things that we're we're letting go of. You know, the average person, if you said what, if if I could say now that you would have just a nice sail into an awakened uh, state. What are you willing to give up? What will you let go of? I think it's an incredibly hard question. Well, yeah, because I think the whole idea of consciously choosing to be more awake and requires consciously choosing what to let go of is something Mm -hmm. that is really problematic for people. It's like, well, why should I give up anything? 
Yeah. Right? Why should I give up anything? Yeah. If I can just easily coast into something that's Especially more, more awakened. Especially here in the land of the entitled. Well, and the abundant, right? <laughs> well, absolutely. But I just think that we still have to work for it. Yeah. Um, the entitlement's a bit of a problem. But, you know, yeah, why can't I be awakened and enlightened and have everything? So maybe there's something inherent in staying awake that requires us to accept loss and to see loss as part of the actual process of life. Right. Because well, if you is. can accept loss, if you can accept loss, then perhaps awakening is it's like it's just easier to stay awake when you but walk see, away from way that's things. never going to happen. And that is that we have to finally admit that we're all going to die. Well, the ultimate, the ultimate loss. loss. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. You read my mind now. Oh, my God. We said the same words. Uh, That's scary. (laughs) That's very scary. But it's true, though. I mean, we pretend that we're here forever um, here in Radio Land. And it just goes on and on. But, you know, until we can accept, I think, the fact that life is about our own our own loss, our own loss of the physical part of us. The spirit is not even in question that that goes on. But there's a lot of other things associated to being here. So it's scary to let go of. Yeah. So all that loss. Did you get your will done for me, by the way? Oh, there you go. (laughs) Um, But it seems to me like with all that loss, like, okay, so who wouldn't want to slip back? Right? If you can't handle the loss, or who wouldn't get depressed around that? Sure. Right? So you might be happy, yay, I've got another piece of the puzzle in terms of why I'm here and what this is all about here in this big divine matrix kind of crazy world. But, you know, but I feel really bad about it too. Yeah. But it's like we don't seem to be able to just get a piece and say, okay, I'm just going to sit with this now. Mm. It's like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. You stepped on the bus. <laughs> you got to stay on the bus now. Right. You're here for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but but you don't, you don't get, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't get just to have a little piece. It's like, it's not an all or nothing. It's a little piece after a little piece after a little mm-hmm, piece. But mm-hmm. every, every little, uh, you know, piece of new awareness that I have about the world, about me, about, you know, whatever, uh, I've also dropped something back here. Right. So what I understand is that what basically you're saying is that in the piece by piece by piece, right? Like my point is that you get better at accepting the pieces when you recognize that accepting a piece, basically you're you're taking a piece with one hand and you're letting go of other things with the others. So that's actually the process of waking up, right? Is negotiating what you let go of in order to receive something else, right? That, that's an inherent yep. part of this process of waking up, which then becomes an inherent part of the process of staying awake. Because when your ego calls you back to the car or whatever, hey, wouldn't you like to drive me again or whatever, <laughs> you, you actually can actively understand and actively know in your rational conscious mind how the process actually works. So you can say, yeah, I could drive you and I might drive you. But I'm going to drive you with a different sense of consciousness, not a consciousness around my identity vis-a-vis ownership, but just the fact that I'm here for the ride of that car for the next 25 minutes, and I'm going to enjoy it, and then I'm going to let it go. Okay. Uh, But there's one other piece, and that's that emotional piece. Uh And the emotional piece is I want to be in my comfort zone. Right. We We love our comfort zones. So that's another aspect of waking up then, right? And well, staying awake is realizing that the comfort zone, we might always be drawn to the comfort zone, but that is, in a way, that's the trick. 
That's well, a distraction. It, that's a distraction that gets us back there. Right. Yeah, I was like, oh, look at that. Doesn't that chair just look great to go and sit in and put your feet up? But, you know, I mean, so it's sort of like that encompassing around us. Right. But I, I think about. also, too, the more awake you become, the more comfortable you become with discomfort. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So I think it's the whole self-trust process. Yeah. You know, that no matter what happens, I trust myself to be able to handle what's coming down the line. Right. Which most you know, we don't get that. We're not born with that. Or if we are born with that, it isn't it is not nourished. Right. You know. But I think that this is yet again another gift of waking up that uh, that actually facilitates the staying awake process. So staying awake is hard, but you don't but in staying awake, every time you actively choose to nope, I'm going to stay awake here. I'm not going to fall back to my old pattern. You get a gift of understanding about what it is you need to do to stay awake. Sure. And I think when you're in the beginning of the process and you don't have those tools yet, it's really easy to slide back in, right? But the longer you're awake, the I think the easier it might be to stay awake. Well, yeah, That'd be my I, I hope. Think, I think there's some, you know, things that need to be in place because, you know, people slide back in, but they move from this sort of intense awakening experience or bliss experience and, you know, there's nothing to support it. So they begin to drift backwards. That's what and I'm saying. Downwards, like into sort of a depression. Yeah. So, yeah. Which could go even further, you know, and that's, it can go on into like the black, the dark night of the, the black night, the yeah. dark night of the soul. Yeah. Which is a scary place. Right. Very painful. Yeah. So I think that there's a difference in the process, the psychological process between somebody who's just experienced like their first big wake up mm-hmm. and they're like, whoa, what's just happened? Right. Those people and somebody who's been doing this and and has been actively recognizing that as part of their process of, you know, of living for the last, let's say, I don't know, 20 years. And they go up. Here we go again. Right. Yeah. So this is why I would say that staying awake becomes easier the longer that you stay awake. Absolutely. Which sounds like a really obvious thing to say, but it actually just reflects That's what so you obvious, were just saying. Jan. It reflects back exactly what you were just saying, right? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. It is. It's like anything, you know, the longer you're in it, that hopefully that you'll become someone who's reaching out to help people. Maybe, you know? yeah. You know, um, you know, spiritual awakening isn't all like love and light. Sometimes there's darkness mm-hmm. there. And sometimes we may experience deep despair. Um, that, uh, you know, uh, St. John of the Cross wrote, uh, he didn't call it the dark night of the soul. He called it, called it the dark night or the night of the soul. Right. Uh, and it's been embellished through through the translation process. But So what is the dark night of the soul? When we use that word in spiritual psychotherapy, what's that exactly referring to? You is know, there a common definition? Uh, is there a common one? No. Uh, I think what... What um, there's an understanding that someone in spiritual process uh, goes into a place of feeling, to- you know, totally disconnected mm-hmm. from themselves, from the universe, from the their creative uh, creator, uh, and and that creates a despair. So it's almost you know it's like the ultimate shaking down of the ego part of us. You know, the spirit's still there, but it knows that it, what we have to go through requires that sort of intense, you know, that that intense feeling of just being disconnected. Right, right, right. Which, you know, I mean, if we talk about humans being hardwired for connection and social with each other, then 
you know, to, to think of just having this intense, you know, reality, even though it, it's distorted, uh, that you're cut off from everything and everybody and, and, and you're on your own in the, in the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. That's a very scary place. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of strength comes out of that. Right. Yeah. I think also what happens is there's a sense of loss of truth, a confusion around what is truth. Sure. I know with clients, you know, it's like I did everything the right way. I went to the right school. I worked my butt off. I did this. I did that. I, you know, I ticked all the boxes and 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 nothing has any meaning. Nothing makes sense, right? My life is imploded and I did everything right. I did everything I was supposed to do. And now look at Yeah. And I'm but, not happy. But, yeah. That's, right? I mean, that's, so there's a loss of truth, a tr- a, like these epistemological well, frameworks. Well, that, that though? It's like when, a, when somebody says... But this isn't how my life is supposed to be mm-hmm. is is an admission of illusion. Yeah, they had like, expectations. Yeah, but this is where your life is now. This right. is where we need to like absolutely start from. Right. You know, radical acceptance. But that's the loss of truth, right? The loss of truth. And then from the loss of truth, like the social truth, the shared truth, the the collective truth that we've all been taught to believe in, that's where you get the individual truth that can emerge from the ashes of that, right? Well, it can. It can. I guess I, I have difficulty saying with the loss of truth when, in fact, it's not a truth. Well, it's a personal truth. It's a personal illusion. Which part of the illusion is that it's a truth. So, for example, right, is that if you work really, really hard in life and you're a kind person, then good things will happen, is right? That right? Well, that can be, right? Like, I'm being a smart but, ass. Yeah, but the thing is, it's like the lots of people suffer incredible pain and incredible sense of loss because they've done everything. They've given up all sorts of things to facilitate other people, other people's lives. And then they wake up one day, literally, and they go, oh, wait a minute. Like, I have nothing. I've right. created things for other people. You know, I was a good wife. I was a good mother. I was a good this. I was a good that. Good I did everything. Here, good and that was their truth. That yep. was their truth, their personal yep. truth, right? It yep. didn't pan out, but that personal truth had been integrated from external sources where it was a social truth, where it was presented as a social truth. If you well, do this, this it, will yeah, happen. It built into this whole thing of, of uh, you know, expectations lead to great disappointment. Right, and that's the collapsing of the epistemological framework, right? That's the collapsing of the yep. concept of truth, the way of knowing, Yep. right? That yep. That is at the heart of the dark night of the soul, I think. Uh, um, okay, I'll right. give you one point on that. Okay, yay. <laughs> well, that's my truth. No, Collect that's... points. <laughs> uh, really, you might be able to get a free coffee after. You know. <laughs> um, that, that um, uh, you know, that disconnect is, is you know, a, a disconnect with nothing to replace it is where mm. one hovers in that, right. you know, between... Between events, you know, sort of the outgoing, the incoming, the realization, the, you know, the conclusion right. or whatever. It's that it's that space where what do I decide? What do I do here? Yeah, that's the space of all possibility, right? Yeah, or impossibility if you have nothing to replace it with. If you feel like you have nothing to replace it with. And that's the despair. With. Right. That's absolutely, you know, my experience with people, that's the despairing part is mm-hmm. what do I replace this with? Right. Of you course. Know? Right. Because... When we take away how we identify ourselves, you know, and, and, and people identify us, it's, you know, who are we mm-hmm. without all these identifiers? 
when I'm someone's son, I'm someone's husband, I'm someone's brother, I'm someone's sister, I'm someone, you know, who am I if I take all those things away? Yep. And so the the process in, of a you know you know of spiritual awakening leaves us in a place that says, who are you going to be? No. So it's a loss of self with the potential for the emergence of of self, another kind right. of self. It's a loss of it's a loss of ego with mm-hmm. the emergence of the spiritual. On that note, guess what? It's time for a break. We will be right back here at Things Worth Considering, and I will continue to argue with Jan throughout the commercial period. Excellent. We'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and welcome back to Things Worth Considering. Uh, Gord Vidal, Jan Hill, we're discussing the downside of the uptake of our spirituality. Um, so um, in this segment here, we want to look at, uh, so how do you deal with all this? Well, so I have this blissful experience. I have, I didn't become a dark night of the soul, um, but depressed, maybe a little down. I'm feeling this discombobulated. Mm-hmm. 
confused. I'm, I'm wondering who these people are sitting at my dining room table. They tell me it's my family, but I'm nothing like them anymore, mm-hmm. at least in my perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are the things that we can do? Get yeah. a new family. I know. See, yeah, surround yourself, right, with people who understand the process or who uh, reflect your shifting values. Yeah, right. Because which means they have to be in that same place. Yeah. You know, uh, or they they just understand they understand change. And the only way that people understand change is they have to have gone through some sort of major change. Yeah. I think the self. I think that's really true. You know, intellectually, you could read all you want about change, and it means nothing. Mm-hmm. But if you have a felt sense, if you've lived that, you know, that sort of agony, um, that makes a big difference. Yeah. I found, too, that sometimes what will happen is people in search of a, of their new family, of their new people, um, of the people who reflect their values. You know, you go to meet up. Um, and you go to the meetup groups and you look around and you see, oh, I'm going to go to this talk. I'm going to go to that one. I'm going to join this group. And one thing to be aware of is that there are lots of people who haven't actually, um, they haven't really actually woken up, but they have attached themselves to some ideas. And um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, th- then they just present something dogmatic. Right. And that can be super frustrating, right? So I would well, say also not, be really not- careful about the groups that you choose to hang around with. Yeah. But okay. I think it's kind of like the, uh, you know, walk, walk your walk, talk your yeah. talk. Lots of people can talk it, but when it comes, you know, push comes to shove, they're not walking anything. Right. You know, they've got all the language, all the lingo. It's very seductive. And you go, wow, this is a really cool spiritual group of people. But then just observe them. Yeah. And you can see that what they're saying is not making it down into the action level. Right. You know, and that's what we really need is we need people that understand, you know, that, that change change is absolutely inevitable um, without judgment, without feeling like we're being judged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be an environment that we want to create that obviously we're leaving because it's unsafe. Mm-hmm. It's to create a safe place. Right. And, you know, it's interesting, as you say that, I I think of sort of emerging archetypes in our Western society around, for for example, the spiritual person is an emerging archetype, I think, right? Comes Mm -hmm. off of, I mean, there's older versions of it, but sort of the new agey, a spiritually awakened person is an archetype. And um, what I've found is that people who are living within that archetype are often very dogmatic, right? They have lots of rules and lots of judgment around it, but people who are actually more spiritually engaged are, are very relaxed about it. Right. They just follow their own rules and let other people follow their rules. Exactly. Knowing that when those people get tired of those rules, they'll have their shift. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everybody's There's a lot time. of very, very dogmatic people that are acting like they got the rule book yeah. and we didn't. Mm-hmm. So they're going to tell us what the rules are. And it's like, I don't live that way. I never have. I'm, I'm very, very bad at... Uh, Taking direction, yes. I say, you know, rebel at rebel at heart with a cause. Um, yeah. is is I will I will rebel very quickly when somebody starts telling me that mm-hmm. you know this is this way or that way when it comes to spirituality. It's so personal. Well, and sometimes though too, it makes sense though, right? Because because when you're in that moment of shift and you don't know what the new rules are, you don't know what you don't know how your new values or your core beliefs, your new core beliefs are actually going to manifest in the world. You don't know how to use those in terms of making new choices and different choices. 
it's pretty easy to externalize again. Look outside yourself and go, oh, there's somebody who uh, who I think has it all figured out or whatever. And just follow along what they say instead of doing the piece yourself, doing that learning piece right. yourself. And sometimes that's, the that's okay. Yeah, the birth yeah. of guru. Exactly. And that might be okay for the first while to do that. But eventually you'll be called upon to to. Um, develop those skills yourself and develop that self-awareness yourself, right? Yeah. People want to know what you think, not, hmm. not what the person you're following. Yeah, or you want to know no, what you what think. What you think and what right? your values are. You want to yeah. know when you make a choice that this choice that I'm making in this moment really resonates with me. This is me being me in this moment. Right. Right? Very powerful moment. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And yeah, we don't get a a lot of people that will stand around us that allow us to do that. So tell me more about that. Well, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's like what we've been talking about today is, is that, you know, if you shift over here, these people aren't shifting. Mm. And so they're very threatened by, you know, the fact that you're changing. They can feel you pulling away. Mm-hmm. Every. Every psychological uh, defense, their their dependencies, their attachments, their are th- so threatened in this environment, mm-hmm. and so they'll put you down. Right, I th- they, yeah. They will put you down as a way of hooking you and bringing you back into the fold when that fold is the very thing you need to separate from. Yeah. Not not permanently. I'm not saying you just say, "Well, thanks. It was a fun ride, mom." Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about that. There's a certain amount of, at any age, there's a certain amount of distancing required for us. Right. I think, you know, underneath that is this idea that, you know, if you're true friends, you'll be friends forever. And real connections are are, are just, just last a long time. Right. And, and there's different ways of thinking about relationships, right? Yeah, and yeah. relationships, I always think of them as, I think I've said this before on the show, is is they're like breathing, right? Is you breathe out and you breathe in. And sometimes when you breathe out and your body expands, right, Some your friend is breathing out as well too. And so your energy fields are expanding together and you're sharing something. And sometimes you breathe, you both breathe in and you make a little space between the two of you. Sometimes right. somebody's breathing out and somebody's breathing in. So the person breathing out is wanting more of your space and you're contracting, yeah. right? Yep. And vice versa. So the whole thing is that there's a fluidity in relationships. You have to be apart sometimes in order to come back together. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And we never know when we leave a relationship or when we when we separate from a relationship or create that space, whether or not the actual creating of that space is something that heals somebody else. Mm-hmm. We often project our our stuff onto that. I was going to say that other word, but you know, we all, where's the shovel? Yeah, exactly. We often project our stuff onto that, and we say, "Oh no, you know, if I leave them, they'll think I'm a horrible person or something, and that they'll respond in anger." And in fact, sometimes they don't, right? Because they need the learning of that. Yep. And that's the kindest yeah. thing that you can actually do is pull away from them to give them the space to learn what they need to learn. Well, yeah, it's true. Um, that's a hard one because it's kind of like, yeah, that's a nice rationalization for being a suck and not saying, look, I need to leave you. What? No. <laughs> well, you can tell people you need to leave them. I mean, it's not, don't do it in secret. Just be transparent. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why. why that's being sucky. Um, because people will say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for their own good. I, oh, because that's not I what I'm saying suck. at all. 
I'm not saying that. I'm I just know, saying. I can read three things into it, though. I know. Talking so, to everybody else who's listening. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Right. Tell what I'm what saying, saying is that the nature of relationships is that they're fluid. Yes. Absolutely. Right. And so that there's movement between them, and that what happens is sometimes we engage in some sort of ideological lockdown where we think that. You know, relationships have to be like exactly like this forever. Mom and dads. Exactly. Right. Where Mm -hmm. you're frozen in time, you're 12 forever or whatever. (laughs) Right. In the minds of your parents or whatever. Right. So that's what I'm saying is that if if we all learn to rethink the concept of relationships, the concept of a relationship that includes this fluidity and includes this movement together apart, together apart, then it's easier to accept that, oh, this is a moment when we're going to be apart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not handled well. Our, our attachment uh, styles just Right, right. It doesn't lend well to say, you know, I think I'm going to go live in the bush for the next six months. Mm. Uh, could you take care of the kids? <laughs> not going to go well. Not going to go well. Mm. Um, but I, I know what you're saying. I know yeah. what you're saying. But, uh, you know, that's that, that goes back to, you know, the whole thing of our ego and our possessions. Mm. You know, that that's... That threatens my possession. It threatens my comfort zone of being in that relationship or that marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, that says, "Well, we're going to just separate for a little while," and you know, um, well, on, based on what criterion, you know, and, and so on. And, and it becomes very. Once again, we return back to dogmatic, don't we? Mm-hmm. You know, well, what's the point of being married? Married people have to do it this way, right? And in reality, we live in a time and a space where you can have any kind of relationship that you want to have, pretty much. Right, you can live apart. You can live together. You can live together on Wednesdays. You know, Wednesdays in different countries. Exactly, you can do it. Do whatever you want. Right, in many ways, it's it's certainly less regulated than it's been in a long time. Uh, yeah, Um, and there's certainly you know people who really broke that trend. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we're doing it 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, around all of this, then is is that. We want to make sure that we have surrounded ourselves with people that support us, people that will allow us to have our story without judgment and without interruption. You know, that's that's just so crucial. Most people never have a chance to even, you know, tell their story. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sure that there are people who have been married for 50 years who really don't know. They know the stories, but they don't know the story. Right. I think you're right about that. Because it's never been put together. Right. Mm-hmm. Um you know, people who also then are empathic and empathetic and compassionate. Mm-hmm. Pain is pain. Mm-hmm. You know? um, how about meditation? Mm-hmm. Meditation is excellent. Yeah, that's a that's a really crucial one. Um, I think when someone's going through the dark night of the soul, you know, I think that you know, basic mindfulness and breathing and those kinds of things are really important, mm-hmm. but not not the let's go fly around Mars ones. Mm-hmm. I think what, for example, meditation does is part of the waking up process is um, as you wake up, there's a, a tendency to feel um, calmer inside. Yes. Amongst the chaos of the world, right? So somebody could be yelling in your face and you still feel calm inside, right? And I think a lot of people struggle with that because it feels often very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so the meditation thing is really, really good for helping us become accustomed to calmness. So whatever level of calmness you're ever you're able to reach through meditation, 
and it might not even be that calm, is still probably going to be a little bit more calmer than what you might experience when you're out in the world, you know, navigating through your daily life. Especially in large cities. Yeah, exactly, right? So meditation is super, super important for sort of building your calmness muscle. Yeah. If for no other reason, right? Yeah, and putting your feet, you know, on the flat on the ground. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that just that whole grounding piece, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're feeling disconnected, you need to ground. Right. You know? uh, breath, breath mm-hmm. work, you know, without hyperventilating, but, you know, slow measured breathing is important. Yeah. Um, how about exercise? Exercise is good. It's the best. It's the best. I think exercise is brilliant, you know, like for depression, for feeling disconnection, anything like that, that. Exercise, and I'm not talking about going out on a big run. I'm not talking about going to the gym and spending hundreds of dollars. How about a walk around around the block? And if oh, you, don't I, think I was, you can do it, get a dog. I was talking about the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, going you know, walking around the block with my dog doesn't feel like exercise. It feels like a walk. It's a walk. It's a yeah, walk. I know what you're saying. It's one of the best exercises. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, journaling. Uh, that's great. You know, just, just, you know, it's not eloquent. It's not, you know, just write down what's going on for you. Yeah. So I've had people uh, just actually in the last few weeks ask me uh, about journaling and ask me, uh, how do you journal? So it led to a big discussion around how do you journal? So for people who aren't big writers, then the whole idea of journaling can feel really tricky, right? So here's the thing that you can do if you're not a big writer is you just sit down and start with a list of like three things that you really like today. Yeah. Not a gratitude list, but three things that you noticed, three things that you liked, you know, your, I don't know, egg sandwich was the the perfect texture of runny. (laughs) You know, it can be simple, right? And from that, then you can go back and you can actually describe what it was about that runny egg sandwich that you really, really enjoyed. Okay, that's kind of making me gagging right now. I know, I'm not an egg eater. I don't know where that came from. Okay, so let's let's look at things to avoid. Uh, Alcohol, not good. Depression and alcohol do not mix uh, at all. It's a, also a depressant bad. Mm-hmm. Marijuana, enough enough uh, anecdotal as well as me- medical scientific uh, evidence that suggests and shows that paranoia is a huge outcropping from from people who use marijuana. If you're already down, the last thing you want to do is have this happening. Mm-hmm. If you're in a spiritual uh, uh, emergency kind of a, a situation in a dark night, if at all possible where, you know, it's up to your doctor, but taking antidepressants is probably not the way to achieve a spiritual awakening. You know, that can mm. become, that can become a problem. If you treat somebody, uh, you know, with it, uh, uh, you know, with, you know, psychiatrically, they're going to become a psychiatric problem right. rather than a spiritual problem. Uh, that's something to consider. Uh, stay away, judgmental people and unsupported people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That. You know, is really, really it. And know that you're not going crazy. Yes. It's normal. It is right across the board. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's bringing us up to the end of today's episode of Things Worth Considering. And it's worth considering not taking alcohol. 
Uh, <laughs> if you're depressed, it's oh, it's just such a bad, bad way to go. So as we bring t- uh, today to an end, um, if you're in the uh, Toronto area tomorrow evening, that's May 24th, uh, we invite you to come out to our Compassion Energy Healing Circle. Uh, it's held at the Transformational Arts College, uh, 3300 Young Street in, in Suite 302, up on the third floor. And that's in the uh, Lawrence and Young Street area. Uh, it's a free event. Of course, donations are accepted graciously. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to call locally, it's 416-484-0454. And it begins at 7 p.m. So that's our Compassion Energy Circle tomorrow night. And uh, we're, yes, we're at the, uh, the final, final minute here. We're being counted down. It feels like New Year's almost. Mm. <laughs> Here comes the giant Here mirror comes. ball. Exactly. It is dropping down. Uh, so we wish you uh, a, a great week ahead. Jan, you have a great week. Thank you so much. Don't work too hard, eh? No. Okay. And we will see you back here next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye now. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.